when they took the leaders out and there were no leaders, crime has increased dramatically. There is such a high probability of crime happening at a Walmart. I'm looking at it seriously, looking at it going, that is insane. We're looking at 60,000 confirmed cases. They're just running out of the resources to, to test for the actual virus itself. Hey everybody, welcome to the Survival Show podcast with Craig and me, David, where it's our job to take you step-by-step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster and show you how to use the lessons you learned today to thrive in your life tomorrow. Craig, hey, we're back together again. Back. (laughs) Back in the saddle. Yes, we are. This is fantastic. Good to talk to you. I feel like we're saying that all the time. It's kind of like when I put a YouTube video up on YouTube. People are like, David, I'm glad to see that you're back. Yeah, same. Same. But, I got that last week. I haven't put a video up on my YouTube channel in quite a while. I put one up last week, and I got the awfulest and bunch of, when I say awful, it's a southern awful, and in a good way. I got a bunch of really good comments. Hey, man, it's good to hear from you. You need to do more of this. And I'm like, I'm trying, you all. I'm trying. Yeah, people don't realize it, but as far as like social media goes and, and almost everything that compares is comparable to YouTube, YouTube's actually the most time consuming. A lot of people don't realize that. And and so that's what makes it a little bit difficult. But podcasts, they're pretty time consuming too. I mean, we've got, we've probably between the two of us got a day's worth of work into prepping for this podcast. So oh, what have you been up to? What have you been up to? What is man? I'll tell you what. I, this is kind of fresh on my mind, just because it happened today. I've been, uh, and I think you mentioned this recently too. As, since we started this podcast, I started listening to podcasts. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I didn't listen to podcasts until we started doing these, and I listened to man. I listened to a really good one this morning on the art of manliness. I know a lot of people that that listen to the art of manliness podcast. You ever listen to that guy? Brett McKay, man, yep. he makes a good podcast, man, really good. But he had a guest on this morning talking about aging and keeping our minds strong and how these luminosity and crossword puzzles and all that stuff, there's absolutely no zero scientific evidence to prove that that works. I know I'm taking us off on a tangent, but this is fresh on my mind today. Um, but what does work is being social not on social media, but talking to people face-to-face, talking to people on the phone, as well as getting out in nature. Boom, boom. I mean, I do a lot of that, which is good for my mind, I guess. Good for all of us, for those that engage in regular, particularly face-to-face communication. And one of the things that came up, and I'm sorry, again, I'm not going to apologize. This is important, too. Uh, as we age, it's important to meet new people because you can get in a rut by seeing the same faces and having the same basic conversations and your mind does not continue to grow. It, it dwindles. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So, hey, just by joining in on the podcast and listening in, we're helping you and your mind grow older healthfully. How about that? That's good stuff, man. It's it. kind of like you've always got stuff kicking around in your brain. I mean, the manly musings are amazing. I'm not sure how you 
pull those off, but you just go out in the woods and Here's there the you go. Man. You're out in the woods, and it's stimulating. Seriously, your, you're getting older brain, but in a good way. That's part of it. I, uh, it's, I don't know, man. It was one that it's been good for me, and I'm, I'm glad I had the opportunity to work with you on this and do the man of musings because I think it's some stuff that sits around in my brain, and I had to get it out, and I never had a vehicle to do that. So doing that now, which is pretty cool. I like it. Nice. Glad we're here. Cool. Let me move on. Yeah, let's do it. Guys and gals, our mission here for the Survival Show podcast is to help you progressively increase your survival IQ so you leave you leave out of here better prepared at the end of the show than you were at the beginning. Today, oh man, dude, we got some heavy topics today. And some of these are going to be related to situational awareness. Some of these are going to relate to some of the more newsworthy items that are literally in the news and all over social media so we're going to be hitting that sort of stuff real heavy today i almost want to say that we're going to be talking about some significant threats survival threats socioeconomic threats that we have in the world right now that's looking at your list did you happen to listen to my podcast on bioeconomy threat did you have I didn't. To I didn't. I am Man, not caught up. I just now, I just now thought about that because I talked about, uh, well, we'll get into it. I, I'll, I'll bring some things up that came out of that. So for those that are listening, and I'm going to interrupt you real quick, Dave, the, uh, I'm, I'm part of the InfraGuard. I talk about this on occasion, but because of that, I get intelligence briefings every day from the FBI, stuff that is not necessarily going straight to the news. And it's definitely not classified. I'm not an FBI agent by any stretch of the imagination. And there's a lot of stuff that's coming up, particularly with the coronavirus that I talked about on a recent podcast uh, as it relates to what's, what I called in the titling the bioeconomy. So we might talk about that some today, too. It's, okay. it's scary, man. It's really scary. All right. Well, before we get into all of that today... Craig. Craig knows this because we had to delay starting the podcast because I woke up this morning and went to thesurvivalshow.com and it was broke. It was not just broke. It was bad broke. Like, you know, those error messages that are in, that are like 50 lines long that say, hey, this is broke. That's what I got. So that is always such a bad feeling, man. (laughs) It is. And it just stems to we were going to do a membership site on web on uh, WordPress and it cost money to keep the membership site going. And we decided to do that on another platform, which we're working on. And so I canceled it and it broke the website that we had up. So anyway, what I did this morning for all of you all is I put up, I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, Craig, but I put up a thesurvivalshow.com podcast webpage with a link so you can listen to all the recent episodes, ways you can support the podcast, links to the tiny guide and gear, and our free survival gear checklists. Plus, I've added some free tips like how you can make a fully functional compass out of your water bottle. It's kind of a hack. Uh, How to sharpen your knife, how you can build your first bug out bag for right around 49 bucks and Craig there's two videos that we did together where you're you are the star that teach What's people that? Uh, it's the self-defense videos so oh I, okay cool I, where I, I put a bunch stomp of, yeah. Zane into the ground <laughs> yep yeah so I put a bunch of resources up there 
for everybody, all of our listeners, just because we love you guys and because it's just good stuff. So you can go over to thesurvivalshow.com. That's thesurvivalshow.com for all the cool tips, training, and resources that we have over there for you. And I guess we're going to call that our sponsor for today. Oh, cool. We're our own sponsor. There you go. So you ready to get into this, dude? Yeah, man. Let's go ahead. What I thought we'd do today is to get back on the David and Craig train on the Survival Show podcast is discuss some topics that are, again, as I mentioned earlier, just they're just pretty heavy in scope, really. And some of these are, again, news, social media. Some of them are not even close to being news, but I thought they were newsworthy for you, our listeners here. The first thing I wanted to get into was the coronavirus and some of the more updated information that we might have access to and share that with you. I know, David, I have not listened to it, so go back and listen to a podcast that David did while he was at SHOT Show. Uh, he'll tell us more about that here briefly. Listen to that, and but what I did, just for my own benefit, because I haven't listened to it yet, I asked David if he would care to give us a synopsis of that here. So it was podcast 55, and I was very fortunate to be able to do, I don't know, four or five or six podcasts while there, and some of those have not been released yet. I've got some great guests coming up that we'll mix in now and again. But I had the opportunity to get together with Roman. Roman is the owner of Mira Safety, so he specializes in the whole CBRN threats and he actually manufactures some very very unique useful and and practical uh, safety equipment and he does a lot of training on CBRN and if you're not familiar with what what that means back in the day we used to call it NBC nu- nuclear biological and chemical threats today we call it chemical biological radiological and nuclear so that's what CBRN is and in that podcast, we talked about the coronavirus. We talked about a myriad of things, including what's going on in Hong Kong and how we can protect ourselves from any biological, chemical, or radiological threat. So I just want to encourage you guys to go listen to it. But I think, Craig, what I'd, I'd love to do is I am going to guess most of the folks listening here have heard about the coronavirus. I was actually at SHOT Show when it really became news when it, I believe it all started in December of last year, 2019. And, but it, it was starting to become very problematic and it rose to the top of the news when I was at SHOT Show, which was like the 20th ish of January. And so maybe we want to, we want to bring people up to speed with it. What do you think? And then, uh, integrate why why it's a concern um maybe i'll just uh, you mind if i just start that out yeah man go ahead okay so things are getting pretty concerning with it and i think i it's safe to say craig that neither one of us are alarmists Uh, i like to research things and gather information before i get to that point but things really aren't looking good with the coronavirus uh, a while back, and stop me if you disagree with anything, Craig, or you have more to add on a particular phase of of uh, this little chat right now. 
a while back, I think it was uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, the State Department told people not to travel to China because of the threat posed by the virus. About a week ago, the World Health Organization declared that the coronavirus outbreak was a global health emergency. And today, Craig sent me a super secret, I don't know if it's secret, but it's it was just some really, really updated information, like to the to the case reported that uh, global tracking on the virus, we're now at over 60,000, well over 60,000 confirmed cases and well over 1,300 deaths that we know about. And Hey, let me jump in there on that. Yeah, go ahead, man. This is one of the reasons I like this particular uh, map that we have access to. And again, it goes back to some of those contacts that I have through FBI and state government here in Kentucky. One of the things that seems to be problematic when we have situations like this is that we're going with what we see on the news and we're going with what we see on social media. And it's real easy if you don't know how to listen to or read, listen or read to a, a journalist, they use certain words and maybe not all those words mean the same thing. And somebody listens to one and then they share it somewhere else and call it something else. And the map that we're looking at here is the go-to map that uh, medical professionals are utilizing to have a real up-to-date number of both cases that have been confirmed, where those cases are confirmed, how many deaths have occurred, as well as those that have recovered from the virus and have no issue. So the number that David just shared, 60,000 plus, is if somebody was going to take information in brief, let's say the president of the United States are going to be presenting some to some medical facility here in the States, this is the map that they're going to go with. And they're not going to pay attention to what they're saying in the news. They're going to utilize this map. And I want to make that abundantly clear. Like I'm looking at it right now, and it was updated at 1.53 my time here. Uh, that was three hours ago. So this gets updated, you know, throughout the day. Yeah, keep going, sir. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm just, just referring to this map. So we're looking at, right now I'm I'm just looking at basically Russia, China, Australia, that, that region. And there is a big red blotch, which just represents uh, the real hotbed of the virus. And it's like, Man, I'm going to say it's like three quarters, maybe more of China. So it's bad. It's bad. So just to compare, so we're looking at 60,000 confirmed cases, uh, over 1,300 deaths so far that we know about. And I'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that. By contrast, the SARS virus that happened a few years ago had about uh, eight, a little bit over 8,000 diagnosed cases over an entire year. So the coronavirus is spreading a lot faster. The and maybe you have a little bit more updated info on on this Craig, but the estimated death rate from this virus is about 2% as of a couple of days ago. But and here's where the big uh asterisk comes in. But we really don't know if the Chinese government's suppressing information because They've got a lot of vested interests here, including tourism and travel and manufacturing and everything. So they're taking a huge financial hit right now. So 
we we don't know if they're kind of suppressing some information to settle fears about the virus and at this point like i don't i don't know anybody that had planned a trip there that's going there at this point uh today Craig, I, I don't think i sent you a link to this but we this is a link we can put in the video description i just read a disturbing article from the new york times that more than suggests that china is totally overwhelmed by the outbreak and can't keep up and this goes with diagnosing, treating, or quarantining. Like they have, they literally in the last, there was a big jump. It was either today or last night in the reported cases because they had to completely revert back to more of an old school means of, of uh, doing scans of respiratory to try and identify people that potentially would have it because they're just running out of the resources to, to test for the actual virus itself. Have you heard anything like that? I have not, but that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, we know that China regularly suppresses information coming out about what they're doing. It's no different than North Korea. Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me at all if that number's double. And I'm not trying to be an alarmist at all. I think D- David said that, and I think we've proven on this podcast by the multitude of different things that we've covered that we're not conspiracy theory minded alarmist. Let's freak out. Everybody is going to die kind of attitude. This is the first thing that since we've been doing this podcast that I'm looking at, and I think it's a legitimate, this could get out of hand if we don't, if we don't make some changes. And it's just, I don't trust, I don't trust. And it doesn't appear that our uh, government, our federal government in particular, trust the information that's coming out of China either. And one of the most disturbing reports, Craig, that I've that I've seen, and this was backed up in the New York Times and several other news sources and and resources that I've they've they've all been sort of kind of confirming this over the last week or two, that that people can carry the virus without having symptoms. So this really makes it impossible to stop transmission. So these people would be called asymptomatic carriers. And essentially, I mean, it could be anybody who, I mean, it could be anybody who came in contact with it anywhere, not showing any symptoms, but able to, to pass it on. And the last thing I heard, Craig, was that an infected person will infect approximately 2.2 people and that a carrier could infect up to 10 people. So that's a problem. That's a real problem. I mean, there could there are most certainly if this is true people that are walking around have no symptoms haven't been tested and they're potentially spreading the virus to others yeah i'm looking at data put out by uh the world health organization right now and it's saying that the incubation period is 1 to 12.5 days right now with what they're seeing with a median estimate of 5 to 6 days so there's been a lot of discussion on is it two weeks is it four weeks is it a week or what have you and it looks to be that the typical coronavirus and this is a family of viruses too so that's another thing that needs to be we need to be aware of is that coronavirus has been around i mean i saw some things on uh, social media last week that pointed out that coronavirus is around a long time ago. And, in, and it has been, I looked that up to verify it and has been, but there's a family of these viruses 
and this particular strain, which now has an, an official name, which is, uh, let's see, where'd it go? I just had it, 219NCLV, because they have designations for all these viruses. This one in particular is so new, and there's so much information coming out of it that they're, they're still finding out information. And the research that I've seen, Craig, is pointing to the fact that that most of the people that are dying from it, and, and I'm saying that kind of generally and, and hesitantly for you to jump in if you know anything different, are, are older and uh, specifically would be a, a bit more prone to uh, this thing turning into uh, a secondary problem, which a lot of my understanding is what's happening is, as with a lot of flus and things, they can cause respiratory dis- difficulties and turn into things like pneumonia, which can get pretty bad quick. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, same thing. Uh, just It's similar to other diseases of this nature where people that have pre-existing medical conditions are more at risk, older people are at risk. So those that have diseases such as diabetes or heart disease or something of that nature or just simply are older and have a depressed immune system or some variation of it, those those are people that are the ones that they have seen and have record of thus far that are, are dying from this particular virus. So the one thing I, w- I did want to mention to put this in a bit of a perspective that we don't really realize it. But in the USA, last year, over 3,000 people in the U.S. died from the flu alone. And so at this point, I mean, we're approaching the halfway point as far as what we know, as far as global deaths by, through the coronavirus. But everything that's coming out on the coronavirus, it's just not good news. There were two days here that they, that they said that it seemed like reported cases were were decreasing from what i've discerned it seems like it was just because china got overwhelmed and they weren't diagnosing any cases so they had to they had to change their method of of diagnosis and so things weren't being reported because then last night we had this huge influx of of new cases that came in yeah, and I'd add, I'm just looking at this map again, uh, 15 confirmed cases in the United States with zero deaths from those confirmed cases. So that's good news. Mm-hmm. Good for us. Good for us. That's good for us, yep. And so I, here's a couple of things that I'd like to maybe get to. I want to get to what can people do to protect themselves, and I'd like to get your opinion on whether people should be concerned. And one before we get there... I just want to say I, I confirmed with my friend Dr. Joe just about this type of this type of a virus, and my concern was how long could a coronavirus uh, be viable on its own uh, by contact, whether it's uh, it's on somebody's hands or whether it it goes through the air when somebody sneezes or whatever. Whatever, like I was just thinking simply on a Walmart shopping cart handle. And uh, he confirmed me to me that this virus can be viable for up to up to a week in those cases. So that was kind of concerning to me. 
Yeah, the, who would disagree with that? The who whose official position? I'm reading, looking at right now. Um, the COV, the 2019 COV virus on, can survive on surfaces up to a few hours or more. So that was that again. And this this is what I'm talking about. He's probably looking at the viruses as a whole, the whole family of them. But this particular one is the one that we're looking at, the one that's causing the so much consternation because it's rather new. They're saying right now that it's just a few hours. Now, the other coronaviruses, who knows? Because there's a, there's a bunch of them. And we're still gathering a lot of data and research. Right. Yep. So my question before we get into some precautionary steps that people can take, Craig, is do you think people should be concerned? Yeah, I, I think people should be concerned. And, and again, I'm not a healthcare provider. So uh, I'm just an average ordinary guy trying to to gather as much information as I have. I'm very fortunate that I have access to some information that's not available to the general public. I just think it's a good idea to do the steps that we're getting ready to get into throughout the winter anyway, mm-hmm. which is, you know, just practicing proper hygiene, which you've, you put together a really nice list here of stuff. Uh, I used to think my wife was absolutely crazy for some of the stuff that she does but she is not uh, the things that she's been doing for years is uh, exactly what we need to be doing. So you, let's go ahead and get into them. Cause I, I think it's worthy of our time to just go through some steps. So you guys know that we like to try and break things down and simplify them as much as we can. So I wanted to come up with some practical steps here. So here's some really simple, doable steps. First, first avoid public and especially crowded places. If you can, uh, Roman, when we're from uh, Mira Safety, he I think he had to go from Las Vegas to Texas. He said, I'm not flying. I'm taking my wife and my, my child, and we're driving instead of flying. So that's if you live and work in a big city, that's probably not as practical for you. Where I live and where Craig lives, we can go out in public in non-peak times and just re- reduce our risk that way. Anything else about avoiding public and especially crowded places? No, I'm, that's dead on. Let me ask you a question about why he did that, though. Do you know specifically, was was he particularly against flying because there might be people from China that have been in close contact with the disease? Or was there anything in particular there that made him well, want to do is, that? This is when it was, I mean, he sells, he sells uh, protective equipment for this sort of thing to government agencies, to civilians, to whoever. And we were literally sitting there ready to, we were just prepping for the podcast and his phone was blowing up because his inventory was quickly going down to zero. And I I believe he had inventory set aside for the next four to six months at regular, regular levels. And at that particular time, we didn't have a whole lot of information on it. So I think he was just exercising, uh, just exercising due diligence, caution on his part. That's all. Right. Okay. Good. 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 The next thing is, I'm just calling it practicing hand discipline. I did some. It was actually kind of scary research, Craig. I had heard somebody off the cuff on one of the news organizations say that some people touch their face three thousand times a day. I didn't believe it, so I got Good on gravy. line and and did some research. And it is it is a fact 
that people on a normal day will touch their face a thousand to three thousand times. So practice hand discipline. That's what I'm calling this. Be aware of where your hands are and make sure that you're not touching your face, especially if you're out in public, until you clean your hands. That blows my mind, man. It blew my mind, too. I didn't believe it. I literally didn't believe it. And everything that I saw backed that up. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Next thing is practice hygiene discipline. And this is multiple steps. Just wash your hands often with soap. Uh, just like we recommend when people are boiling water to purify it, we usually say three to five minutes at a rolling boil. That's kind of maybe overkill, but it keeps you in that safe zone. Uh, a lot of people are saying wash with soap and water with warm water for 30 to 60 seconds. Another thing we can do, and I just bought a couple of uh, to-go packs of disinfectant wipes that kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria. So you want to make sure that with your wipes that that's what they can do. Some people, you know, the whole disinfectant wipe thing, I have found, and my wife actually brought me some antiviral. It's a heavy-duty, potent spray with antiviral essential oils. So you don't necessarily have to go with the the big heavy-duty cleanser, you know, smell like bleach type of wipes. There are some uh, essential oil solutions, and I've got those as well. Hand sanitizer is a good thing. To, that, that'll that work, too. Anything on those two, Craig? No, man, I'm down with that. Okay. And now here's the big thing. And This might gross you out, dude. But the whole Walmart cart handle thing was, was kind of what got me going. And so I did some research on it. I found it, it is true that... A lot of disease and viruses, bacteria are transmitted on things like Walmart ha- cart handles. And so there have been testing human, human saliva, mucus, urine, fecal matter, blood from the juices of raw meat, et cetera, have all been tested on Walmart, <laughs> Walmart cart handles. They even had the Walmarts listed that, that the handles were tested. So what I did is I came up with a list of about 10, uh, it was actually it was from a web it was a yeah it was a website article 10 things that are more germ laden than the average household toilet seat here's the quick list phones mobile devices desktops computer keyboards and mice doorknobs escalator rails elevator buttons atms shopping cart handles was number 3 on the list sinks and subway place things like subway turnstiles. I've heard for a long time that your typical water uh, faucet at a sink is much dirtier than the toilet seat, even in public restrooms. And that the nastiest place in the bathroom, in a public restroom, is the drain on a sink, not the toilet seat. Which, I mean, think about it. You drop something and you reach down into the sink and pick it up and your hand brushes up against the drain. That's the nastiest thing in... That includes inside the toilet bowl. 
it's nastier at that sink than it is inside the toilet bowl. And I can't remember where I read that, but I remember reading it and thinking, okay, that's legit data wherever I got that. I can't remember which I could, but that's, that's pretty disgusting, man. <laughs> I'm just telling you that <laughs> all of that is disgusting. Yeah. Now, just, just as far as a comedy, if our listeners and Craig, if you have never seen the sitcom that started in the, the early 2000s, mid 2000 uh, monk, you, if you want to know what to do, just watch Monk and you'll laugh too. Have you ever seen that? No. You haven't seen Monk? You should. No, what is it? Is it It'll it's a you comedy happy. you mean? It's a comedy. It ran for eight yeah. years. Huh. And it's about a it's about a dude who has some psychological problems and he's a He's major he's o- a, OCD. He's a yeah, he's a detective, but he has he has uh major phobias and one of them is germophobia, which makes it funny you got to check it out. You, you and your wife will, will find it funny and enjoyable. I think next we want to avoid person to person contact. So that would include shaking hands. Um, you know, that can be awkward when somebody extends their hand, but I've gotten to where I fist bump, man. Fist bump. Yeah. That's a good idea. I mean, it's, it's, it actually adds some levity to the situation of no, I'm not going to shake your hand kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. And you don't have that palm to palm connection that tends to be uh, more likely to carry bacteria than the back of the hand when you're doing a fist bump. Yep. And I think one big thing here, Craig, just with your overall theme for today's podcast is we need to be aware. We don't want to normalize this. We don't want to overreact, but also we want to, we want to just do our best to be aware. And one of those things would be just avoid people who are noticeably sick and self-quarantine yourself if you're sick. Regardless of the sickness, I I just think it's it's right to, you know, just take care of yourself and not force yourself to to go out to work if you're hacking and coughing and sneezing, especially right now. It's just not good. Last on my list is boost your immunity. Do what you can. Vitamin C, get enough sleep, avoid excessive sugar, exercise, eat healthy, that sort of stuff. All that's good. Get enough sleep. Read another study last week. I've got a, one of our guys that comes to our classes all the time. He's a, I think he's working on his, man, at least he at least has his master's. I don't know if he's going through PhD in mental health counseling. And one of the things that he's really hard up on everybody doing is getting their eight hours of sleep and how good that is for your mental state, how much, how good that is for your physical state. And just so many of us don't do that. So yeah, David just said that. Listen, that's good. That's good advice right there. All right. So here's just a a quick four things that if you want to protect yourself further, Uh, Beyond behavioral, and you want some gear to do this, here's what you can get. We mentioned disinfecting wipes. Just make sure that they're they're rated to kill viruses also. Hand sanitizer, again, mention that. Just make sure it has, it's rated for virus protection. You see these paper masks, these examination masks, Craig, but they are going to do nothing for you uh, as far as airborne uh, biologicals. You need to get, if you're going to go that far, 
you need to get an N95 respirator. They're really not that expensive. I buy them in the, in boxes of of like 10, but they're actually rated to keep viral contaminants out. And they essentially just look like the cheap paper masks, uh, except that they have like a little uh, uh, inlet valve on the front or an outlet valve. I think it's an outlet valve on the front. But the paper examination masks that you see surgeons wear and, and stuff like that, those are really, uh, research I've seen and people I've talked to, Craig, those are just to keep, uh, like if somebody's going to sneeze and they're operating on somebody, that's to keep their germs from getting on their patient. Right. But they're not going to, they're not really going to protect you from, from what's going on in the air around you. And if you want to go one step further, you can get those, uh, some examination gloves or those uh, those clear gloves that the people who handle your food or, or cut the meat at Walmart use and just put those on before you go in Walmart. I mean, it's, I think it's almost acceptable right now to take some precautions. So if you want to do that and just uh, protect what you're touching when you go into public, you could you could use some disposable gloves and then just peel them off from the wrist inside out and drop them in a trash can when you're done. Anything else, dude? Yeah, you're being hard on Walmart today, man. <laughs> it's not intentional. It's stating the truth, though, man. Hey, we uh, one of the organizations I work for, they do some private contracting uh, in the security industry, like, like really high-speed stuff. They did a study, or they were part of a study, I should say, where they organized all this data on crime at Walmarts across the country. I'd never want to go to Walmart again. Really? Yeah. The higher, the high, there is such a high probability of crime happening at a Walmart that, I mean, from a statistical geek like me, I'm looking at that. I, I, I got to find that and I'll send it to you. I, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about talking about that today. I'm looking at it seriously, looking at it going, that is insane how high a probability it is that something bad will happen to you crime-wise. Not, we're not talking really? about the coronavirus. I'm talking about somebody runs you over, somebody assaults you, somebody steals your wallet or your phone or your purse or some variation of it. It's insane. Hmm. I just So I just quit going. I don't. I mean, I didn't go to Walmart very often at all, but. Thank goodness for Amazon. I just get stuff off Amazon now. I mean, I can yeah. have it here in 24 hours. Sportsman's Guide. Sportsman's Guide for all my sports goodies. Are you kidding me? Come on. Got to love it. Anything else on the coronavirus? No, I'm done. Let's move on. Okay, son. This is all you. What are we doing? I thought you were asking me questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you have election next. How will the election hurt or help the survival community? Guys and gals, what I did here is I actually, uh, uh, when I was putting the notes together, David put all the notes together for coronavirus, which has been fantastic. I've learned some lot, a lot of stuff there. I just, what I did here is, as I mentioned earlier, I get an intelligence brief. From, I get one large one from the FBI each week. And then I get some smaller ones every day. Like I've probably gotten eight emails from the FBI today and nobody reads them all. Nobody can read them all. 
if you have a particular interest in something, you go in there and research and study. So what I did is I pulled up one of the latest briefs for the week and pulled out a few topics. And so I wanted to, to go through those. The first one is just, and this stuff came from social media. The, the rest of these topics came from the FBI brief. But this particular thing, I just wanted to get a discussion between David and I on what his thoughts are, what my thoughts are on the election, the upcoming presidential election here in the United States and what we think that'll do for the survival community. Did you have any thoughts starting now, out? When, or- you, when you say, will it help or hurt the survival community, what, what do you mean by that? Anything. Can just- Anything that you think is going to be good or bad for the survival community. I'm going to let you start this off. I'm going to see okay. how you, what, what tone and direction you take. Okay, so there's, there's two ways of looking at it. Is, is the government of the United States... And our policies, whether they go conservative or progressive, do they tend to make it easier or harder on the survival community? Here's what we know. Going from uh, conservative or going from a progressive liberal president into a different one, one of the things that happened is that a lot of things that were being purchased that would be considered survival decreased tremendously because there was a thought that early on that there was, we were going to be much safer with a conservative Republican in office. So as far as an industry is concerned, that affected the industry as a whole drastically. Now that's changed most recently, but that is something to take into consideration as an industry, if you will. So I say that because that, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, I want to bring up, that's the thought process for a lot of people. And then I think we need to be aware of one side of the aisle, which means half the country at this point, and the other side of the aisle, we feel differently. Some people feel like one side is big government, and the government's going to take care of us if anything happens, and the other side is get the government out of my face. I don't want them having anything to do with me. And so I think that's worthy of consideration as we, as we go into this election. Would you agree with that? You disagree? with I me, would. Sir? Yeah. I would. And I would just throw in there that because now if you want to buy some, some protective masks, like a gas mask right now is not the time to buy them because, because they're really hard to come across just because of the coronavirus. However, a benefit to people who are self-reliant and want to take steps to, you know, protect themselves and their family should something happen. Now's a good time to buy the other stuff because the the run on it, the demand's a little bit lower. So, uh, you know, good times, bad times. Right. uh, Plan in the good times for the bad times. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the next one I wanted to bring up was basically the, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call it the possible gun grab in Virginia. Uh, we recently, since we've gotten together on the podcast, and I, and I meant to tell you about this, and Ben too, I recorded a podcast on the gun control legislation in Virginia, and it never made it to mainly musings. And I don't know if that's my fault or... Uh, I I never, I I can't find it. I just, I can't seem to, anyway, 
With that said, we, we had a rally that happened in Virginia with what I would call gun advocates, uh, peacefully organized in Virginia, didn't cause any problems. Guns were everywhere and nobody got hurt. Nobody got injured, which is, I think, worthy of bringing that point forward. It's rare that we have these rallies like this and something doesn't happen. When I see the rallies, like all these organizations that have rallied, they'll end up being some sort of mess, garbage left behind. It was caught on video, all these gun, well, I'll call them gun nuts lovingly, picking up garbage, stuff getting stuck on the streets, and they were scraping it up, bagging the garbage so it was easy to pick up. It was just an interesting way of looking at how to how to peacefully assemble as we are given our rights to do and how well it was taken care of. With that said, right before I got on the podcast, I watched a 15-minute section of the Virginia, Virginia legislature stating what some of their intent is. And it was a debate back and forth with one Republican senator, state senator, and another senator who was Democrat talking about one thing that came up in the discussion is that any magazine over 10 rounds is going to, if you have that in your possession, is going to make you an immediate uh, uh, lawbreaker. And their intent, their intent is to make this happen. And such that it starts in January, 2021. So there's time for things to either happen or not happen, but that, the the wording that absolutely, and I'm just going to be really frank, just pisses me off, is that they're calling anything over 10 rounds as a high-capacity magazine. And and uh, I used to not be incredibly vocal about this topic, but I've got too many friends, too many people that I've trained that have gone overseas to fight in wars, in places where people can't have guns and their government has absolutely destroyed and killed them and beat them down, that I am not any way, shape, or form interested in my government here in the United States of America putting me in that position or any of my countrymen in that position. And I'm not interested in it starting in Virginia and spreading. I think it needs to stop. Uh, we're all about our elected officials doing their the jobs of what we've elected them to do. And I've made myself known to my elected officials and I'm just encouraging everybody because I have this platform to contact your elected officials because they work for you. You, they don't, they don't work and get a job and do what they want to do. They work for you. So make your voice known. Does that make sense? Craig, it does. Uh, Two things here. One in talking with the locals at, at SHOT Show over the last couple of years, they are always excited when SHOT Show comes in because uh, the attendees, and it's tens of thousands, you've been there, tens of thousands of attendees, it's it's amazing how big, and and they're actually extending it into a new building. They're, they're building that there's going to be a breezeway between the Sands Convention Center and what they're calling the Caesars Forum, which is almost going to double the capacity of the show next next year. But 
the point is that the locals love when the shot show guys come in because they are uh they're they tip well they treat people well they you know they're they're one group that comes in that respects and and treats the town well second thing is uh yeah we'll check on that that manly musings craig that you you mentioned got lost on on red flag laws i think i remember that coming through at some point and i i just looked on the podcast it's actually uh i I would have to listen to it again it might be old news now because it was done long before the rally and everything Actually, I was in, uh, on that. I think on that podcast, I was actually talking about how to peace, peace of um get together and how to go about doing it in such a way. And and I mean, not everybody there heard me, obviously, but they were doing it. Which is, I think, it's a beautiful thing that we have a hive mind and we're all thinking the same thing. Hey, let's do this. Let's do it right. Let's make an example of ourselves. We're not going to loot and steal TVs and tear buildings down and bring harm to other people. We're not going to wear masks. We're not going to hide. We're just going to be who we are, and we're going to leave this place better than we found it, which is just, that's just telling. It's your typical typical, typical bunch of gun freaks, right? They leave a place better than they found it. Eh, I'm done, man. I'll keep talking about this one. Whew. I just want to mention to people, it was, let's see, two podcasts ago again this was one that i was able to get with jared from guns and gadgets who joined me for a podcast and we talked specifically about this red red flag laws uh is there a gun grab coming we did talk about virginia and some other places and uh, jared's actually active law enforcement everybody on his staff are also and he's very passionate about the constitution he basically said that if we lose the second amendment we lose the first amendment or in another way, we lose the Second Amendment, we lose the Constitution, we lose the Constitution, we lose the country. So that was that was really good. He and I actually got into topics, some pretty controversial topics, and and I I actually I asked him his opinion. What you know, hey, all these laws in Virginia, is this what police officers want? Because it it takes guns off the street, and his answers were very interesting. So. That was podcast number 56. Yeah, check that out. I think that'll that'll be a good supplement to what you said here. Very good, Craig. What's next? So this is the big one that came out of the intelligence brief that I was reading from the FBI and it was a there was a large section dedicated to anarchist activities, particularly as it relates to Antifa and their people putting out information specifically teaching their followers how to cause disruptions with train service, whether it be trains, subways, when I say trains, literal trains out on the rails. And it just, it was weird that when I put these notes together yesterday for this podcast, we've had this huge train derailment in Eastern Kentucky, uh, basically Western Virginia. And it's not saying that anarchists did it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying there were some very volatile chemicals that went crashing into a nearby river and any number of things. So if there's organizations that are actively trying to make that sort of thing happen, if you're not aware 
it's very problematic because running up and down our interstates and running across our rail systems are some of the craziest and awfulest bunch of chemicals you could ever imagine. And causing disruption to those sorts of things is problematic. Not, is, is there anything you can do? Well, I mean, it's one of those things, if you see something, say something. If you see something that just doesn't seem right on a train track, like, hey, you see a, you know, a civilian vehicle going down the train track or something, then let somebody know about that kind of stuff. Or if you see maybe a, a group of what would look like um, non-workers on a train track and they're all walking down a train track, then say something to somebody. These are all things that there's not much you can do to stop a train, right? As far as a civilian, hey, I can't contact the train service. Hey, stop your train. But if you're seeing something, you can report it to authorities because I guarantee you the train service is going to take that seriously. And it's one of those things that, again, say something, you know, see something, say something. Do you have anything you want to add or ask me about on that? That's good. No. Yeah. It was one of those things that, as far as the subways are concerned, that's coming up is that people are doing uh, subway surfing where they're getting on the side of these cars, they're getting on top of the subways and they're riding them as a dare and all this nonsensical stuff that I just do not understand why people want to tempt death like that. So just overtly. So it's another one. Uh, we don't have subways here in Kentucky, but if you live in an area where you see people that are engaging in that sort of activity, those are things that are going to cause disruptions to the subway system, which is going to cause problems for everybody. So it's you know, again, see something, say something. This is really interesting, Craig. You're yeah, this, me. this, I'm doing what? You're educating me. Yeah, I, man, I, this is a, this, I really wish, I mean, if I've got too much to do to be able to look at all these briefs that I get, and again, I'm not sharing anything that's not, if, if you went looking for all this information, you could find it. It's open source material on the internet. It's just, I'm fortunate enough to be in a spot and have all the background checks where they looked into every orifice of my body, or at least it felt like when they went, went through the background check to verify that I'm a good guy, that uh, I get a brief like this on a regular basis. It's really inter interesting information. Another thing that these Antifa and anarchists are doing is they're actually publishing how-to guides on how to cross the southern border from Mexico into uh, the United States. And they're sending this information across the border and giving people inside information on how they can actually get across. So basically you get these people that cross the border and they're successful and they don't get caught. Well, they're actually interviewing these people, putting together how to guys and then shipping it back to Mexico. So it's just, I don't know, man, it's just these anarchists are just literally trying to do everything they can to take down this country in my opinion, and Antifa is part of them, and I'm not interested in in uh, any part of them. I agree. Next, you have gangs and wild hogs. <laughs> <laughs> I need an explanation of this one. <laughs> Those are my notes to help me remember <laughs> what this is about. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so I'm going to give you a nature lesson, everybody, and then I'm going to apply it to gangs. The nature lesson is this. If you're in an area where you have wild boar, wild hogs, if you, for example, shoot one, what happens 
is that they will disperse in several different directions. It's, it's built into their genetic makeup to disperse in several different directions. So let's say you shoot a big wild boar, for example, and that boar is the one that was servicing all the females in that particular uh, group of, of hogs. When you shoot that boar and they split up, they'll go into four different groups and immediately, I'm talking immediately, one of the other male hogs will do what they can to service the other females. I mean, it's when I say immediately, they've got video of wild boars getting killed and immediately some of the subservient wild boars will immediately mount the females and try to breed them. It's just a defense mechanism for the, for the group. So that's your nature lesson from the nature boy here for the day. Here's what they're finding about this as it relates. And this is why I said it this way is that there are a lot of gang. There's so much gang activity and what a lot of organizations have done. uh, Police agencies have done is that they have gone in and arrested top gang leaders. And there was a big push on this in New York and they 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 made a huge push to just take down gangs. And what happened is they took a whole lot of the leadership out of play. And what happened is the gangs absolutely splintered. And because what was going on before was that these leaders had things organized. I'm not saying they're right, I'm not saying they're good, but they had things organized and they were effectively committing crime and doing certain things and doing it in a certain way. And it was, you know, there was a hierarchy there when they took the leaders out and there were no leaders and all these young bucks and all these players doing their part, then crime has increased dramatically because they didn't have the organization before and weren't having the income. And now they're having to go out and do a lot of petty crime, smaller crime, to make up for the loss of income. How about that? Hmm. And this all showed up in the FBI brief that you get. Yeah. And so the, the question is, and, and number one, what can we do? Okay. What can we do? If you're in an area like I, for a long time, for seven years, actually, I was engaged in teaching some leadership development coursework in a part of the largest town close to me, which is Lexington, Kentucky. For seven years, I taught leadership development for a particular community of people in Lexington, and there were absolutely very active gang activity in this area. And that's what I was there for. I was there to help stop it. And uh, I say that because gangs are pretty active, and they're very organized, And so it's one of those things that you should know the warning signs of gangs in your area. They mark territory. They wear certain clothes. Some of the higher ranking gang members don't have that same type of clothing to represent them because they want to stay hidden. But some of the younger members of the gang will wear certain clothes, have certain activities, uh, congregate in certain areas, marks mailboxes and walls and sidewalks with different information. And so you can do a quick search of gangs in my area, gang signs in my area and start to get a little bit of a insight into your world and where you live and at least be aware that they're there so that you can see 
that sort of activity before it happens. It's just pre-event planning as best as best as I can say it. Craig, I am looking at the time again, and we wanted to get some questions in here, just some update questions on, uh, I've got three questions for you. You've got a couple questions for me that we'll cover real quick, but you got a couple more items on the list here. What do you want to do with those? Let's stick those. Let's just put those into the next podcast and let's go ahead and dive into these questions if you want to. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Yeah. So, hey, so here's my first question for you, sir. SHOT Show. Give us a general, hey, this is what SHOT was about. You've already told us a couple things, which is pretty cool. Tell me about SHOT Show. I haven't had a chance to talk to you yet. I know, we haven't. SHOT Show for me is is kind of multi-tiered. In the past, I've done a lot of like new product go around. You, You talk with folks at like Gerber, for instance, and shooting some, hey, here's what's coming up, new product kind of video stuff. The industry's really changing and and when people release new products has has changed a lot in the last couple of years just with the availability of Amazon a little bit more leaner and meaner release uh, things to release and and it used to be that you went to shot show and let let's just say for instance you went to Gerber and they would say okay this is new for 2020 it's going to be released April 10th well what happens now is they're talking about stuff that may have been released at the end of the year for last year for Christmas or whatnot. So it's not as, it's not as relevant. And that's not where I, you know, that's not where I spent a lot of time. What I was excited about for me was getting together and interviewing a bunch of people for the podcasts. And my role at SHOT Show is I go as the media so that with the podcasts, any videos, I did one or two videos at, at some booths on some product but what's happened a lot more is I have, with the MSK-1, with the tiny survival gear, with all of that, SHOT Show for me was finding some uh, some great U.S. manufacturers to partner with us to help us do some upcoming gear, including new MSK-1s. Uh, you know, so SHOT Show is always great. It's just, it's just kind of morphed uh, over the years as far as what what I do when I'm there. And that's about as short as I can make it, man, unless you have some specific questions. No, man, that's good. I just wanted to hear what's going on. So tell me about tiny survival. What's going on with it? Uh, I've just spent the last, man, it's almost been two weeks working on some new products that we're getting up on Amazon. Most specifically, we have two kits and two bundles the kits are the Pocket 30 and the Pocket 45 kits. The Pocket 30 everyday carry kit has 30 survival items, and I think I sent you those. And the Pocket 45 has 45. And then the bundles, people were saying, hey, we'd like to get bundles pre-made. Now, you can go to tinysurvival.com, go to the Build Your Own Bundle app and do it that way. But people were, were kind of asking for like, hey, build the burger for me. I just want to buy the burger. So what I mean by that is we've got a bundle that combines the Pocket 30 kit, a, a, a tiny survival guide, and it's properly sized for a survival tin kit with a waterproof, right onable uh, checklist kind of survival kit label. So that's the Pocket 30 bundle. And we have the same thing 
for the Pocket 45. So those are those are two new products there. Uh, Tiny Survival is going well. Amazon's going great. And we've got some pretty cool stuff coming up. Yeah, we've got some pretty cool stuff coming up. That's for sure. That's Tiny Survival. All right. That goes into my next question, too, which was what new projects are you working on? Is there something else? Can you give us some inside scoop on what's going on? You know what I've been working on a lot, Craig? We have four new MSK1s coming out this year. Four. Count As them. if you don't one, have much to do already. Two, three, <laughs> four. Uh, I think the first one that's going to that's gonna release, I've been working to essentially cut the cost, get an MSK1 in the price point that people would really like to see it in the the 80% of the folks that maybe don't have the ability to spend $300 or more on a knife. So I've been working with a, a top manufacturer and we're going to be releasing the MSK1 Primitive. It's pretty cool. And the MSK1 Black, which is a, a black ver- version of the Primitive. They're going to be in 1075 steel. And the Primitive is going to come in a really nice leather sheath that that I've been working on for a while. Also, we are upgrading the MSK one to the MSK two. So we're going to have an MSK two and we're working again with a major U S manufacturer on that right now. As I speak, we were emailing back and forth today. And uh, that is actually, we're going to push the steel up to the next notch and it's going to be 154 cm. We're going to be making some upgrades to the handle and and all that sort of stuff. And then we have the MSK1 Warrior, which is a, a military tactical version that uh, has been approved by a a major international ally, uh, special forces for their for their troops. But we're gonna we're gonna re- release that at large, at least in the United States, because it's it's not. It's not a, what do they call it? It's not internationally, it's not a knife that you can necessarily ship anywhere in the world, but U.S., it, it falls into the proper guidelines for that. So those are some of the things that I'm working on. Um, also, there's going to be an MSK1 website coming soon. I apologize to all the folks that have been reaching out saying, hey, I want to pre-order, I want to buy a knife, I want to see what's going on. Working on that right now. And... Uh, yeah, those are the big things right now. Cool. Very good. Craig, my first question for you, bro. Yeah. Is lay it on me. Who's your favorite superhero and why? I bet I don't <laughs> surprise you when I give you this answer. I don't know that I could care any more less about superheroes. <laughs> I'll tell you who my favorite superhero is to answer your question directly. The United States Army Special Forces, that's who my superheroes are. Because they're real. (laughs) And they do incredible things. You know, I've never been into superhero stuff, ever. My kids love that stuff. Absolutely love it. They also love coffee, which tells me they're weird. Because I don't love coffee (laughs) or superheroes. I don't know how they were raised (laughs) in my house. Does that surprise? That I bet that doesn't not. surprise you at all. Does it doesn't. It? it didn't surprise me. I, I knew. I could have called that one. I wasn't sure, but I, I, I knew everybody wanted to know the answer to that. There so you go. I had to ask. I'm it. not a. Hey, I don't want to offend anybody. If you love watching Marvel and DC stuff, then go for it. That's just 
uh, I, I love being entertained with different things too that are not real. Uh, it's just not superheroes is one of them. Man, I'm such a I am such a right brain nerd. It's insane. Come on, I know you got All another right. question. I got another question. What are you most excited about for 2020? We were talking about this a little bit before. Man, I've I don't got, know if you want to mention that, but you know, there's I guess three big things that I'm pushing and excited for. First off, I've got some really interesting con I'll just say interesting contracts teaching some things. I wish I could be more direct, but I just can't. Uh, but uh, you you can be assured that Craig Cottle gets to train some really cool high-speed people, and I'm very thankful for that. And uh, I'm going to be doing more of that in this coming year than I ever have before. So very, very thankful for that. Uh, very thankful that, that I get to do it. Very thankful that they are going to get a skill set that that can actually put to work. And, and I'll keep people safer. Um, number two would be outdoor core, man. Outdoor core has been really good to mm. us. Nature Reliant school. Jennifer, my wife is my videographer and editor, and she does obviously the, the lion's share of that work. I just get to get on camera and say stuff I already know, but we've got, we've had a, we had a course on edible medicinal plants and went exceptionally well. We put out a course on edible trees that went fairly well and I'm getting ready to release another one here probably in another two or three days on uh, winter tree identification and survival and bushcraft uses for each which was incredibly involved in filming so I take people out into the woods and show them they can look at a host of different trees and be able to identify them by bark tree or bark buds leaves that are on the ground soil site soil sample location fruit and any number of things um yeah that would be number two number three as far as exciting for 2020 coming up would be uh i'm just high on life on writing still uh, i get i don't know three or four different writing assignments a month now for different various magazines. And I've got some that are coming out in some really well-known magazines that I, I, I've set a target for getting into certain magazines each year. And I've made every one of those targets and I've got some articles that are going to be coming out in um, probably the wide, most widely distributed magazines I've ever written for. And so uh, that was on my target at, by the end of last year. And it looks like they're going to happen at the beginning of this year. So yeah, nice. there you go. And and I met one of your bosses at Shot Show. Who's that? And Jim. Oh, Jim Cobb. Yeah, Jim Cobb is is salt of the earth people right there. Jim is the editor of Prepper Survival Guide, Backwoods Survival Guide. All right, I actually talked to Jim today. He asked me to pitch some articles, and uh, I'll be pitching three or four new articles for him. He's he's kind of just at this point. I'll end up writing two or three articles for every magazine for him. Uh, he likes me and I like him. He's just, he's good people, man. Some editors are a pain in the butt to work with. And others are just, well, there's very few that are fun to work with. And Jim actually is one of those people. Super, super guy. 
I like Jim Cobb. He's a great guy. I mean, we probably spent we probably spent a couple hours together at the show. Thanks for. <laughs> I was funny story, true story. Uh, I I was uh, meeting with meeting with Jim, and or I had a scheduled meeting with Jim. I texted Craig and said, "Hey, tell me about tell me about Jim," and I come to find out that. Jim was texting Craig, asking about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the owner of all information. <laughs> He's a great dude. Okay, now I've got to ask you this question because this is this is a question that everybody wants answered. They, okay. This is I want you to peel back this this. I, I just want want you to take us behind the curtain and share with our listeners. One offline activity that you enjoy that would surprise people. Oh man, offline activity that would surprise people. You did not know this question was coming. No. Uh, let me see. I. Well, I talk about that some. Hmm. I well, this might be it. I write a fair amount of poetry that I don't share with anybody except my wife. How about that? I didn't know that. I do. I just I, learned something about Craig Cottle. I write a whole lot of poetry that relates to, no surprise here, on some of the subject matter, but uh, a lot of naturalist-type topics. Um, hmm. Also, writing a uh, fictional work along the same lines that I don't know if I'll ever end up finishing because it's difficult those are writing fiction is hard for me i was talking earlier about not being very creative and i'm forcing myself to do it to become create more creative but uh yeah the poetry thing probably surprises a lot of people and uh i've, I've occasionally shared a couple of things i think i may have shared a couple of things on social media for people but that's the the number of stuff that i write don't there's nobody that sees it except maybe jennifer does that surprise you, sir? I am surprised. I'm surprised. Yeah. Really um, good stuff, Craig. I think this was a great podcast. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was. I thought it was good. It was good, good, good to be back on with you. Yeah. Dittos. Well, you want to take us out of here? Let's do it. Hey, guys and gals, don't forget to support the Sportsman's Guide. Check them out. We've got links in the description below. Also, go to tinysurvival.com. While David was yapping his jaws earlier about Tiny Survival, I got on the website and check it out. Man, your, your website is just solid as a rock, son. That looks good. Thanks, dude. Real good. So, yeah, go go check out tinysurvival.com. Good-looking website. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff there. And don't forget right now, if you have not already done so, subscribe to this podcast. It costs zero zilch nada to do so. And by doing that, you don't miss out on anything. Many, many thanks to all of you who have already done that. We really appreciate it. And we humbly request, if you enjoy the podcast, and obviously we hope that you do, our whole goal was to enrich, educate, and sometimes entertain you in our podcast, then go over to iTunes and give us a big old smacking five-star rating, and we will greatly appreciate it. So, again, don't forget to click on the links in the description below for some of the items we've mentioned in the show today. I think that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show Podcast. Keep it simple. 
be positive and stay sharp.